We have a very special guest with us. We have Mr. Charlie Black with Wealth Tech Consulting. Charlie, thank you for coming in. Hey, Jerry. Thank you for having me. So, Charlie, uh, what this show is all about is the never settle concept. So, would you mind just sharing a little bit with me? What's your what's your thoughts and what's your opinion on this never settle deal? What does that mean to you? Man, that's a that's a great question. When I think of never settle, I'm thinking you're never satisfied with what you're doing, with what you're having, and and who you're being in life. Like you, to the point where you've reached your maximum. You know, you've always got a ways to go. You've always got more that you can accomplish. So you, you can't ever be happy with what you've got. You've got to keep going for more. Yeah. So it's always chasing that affluence, right? Yes. Yeah, I exactly. like it. So Charlie, tell everyone just a little bit about what you do. Well, Wealth Tech, what we do is our main service is we do business coaching in a nutshell. We basically work with entrepreneurs. Doesn't matter you know, what size of company they are. Could be a single owner, operator, all the way up to, you know, literally hundreds of employees. But we basically do business coaching to uh, give them the tools that they need so they can keep their business going up to higher levels of production and and like that thing on subtle radio, right? Never at a complacent point, but always going to the next higher point. Got it. Right. And and uh, Charlie, you work with me in my business on some of the con- coaching and consulting. So today I want to dive into um, some of the, the stuff that you've been doing that helps me and really helping other other people and listeners understand, you know, the importance of, you know, coaching, the importance of consulting, the importance of organizing production, all the things that we talk about. I want to just kind of give the listeners your story. So, um, you know, you said you run a business consulting firm. Now you work with business owners on helping them, you know, grow and expand. Thinking back when you look in your past, like what were some of the moments that that really got you interested in that and really, you know, interested in the never settle mindset? Yeah, that's a great question, Jerry. You know, I've been doing consulting now for about 30 years, and but it always hasn't been that way for me. Probably to answer your question, there was a point in my life about 32 years ago that things in my life just kind of turned upside down completely. They, my lifestyle where I was at had totally crashed. I pretty much hit rock bottom, um, and I decided at that point that it wasn't ever going to be like that again. I decided I, I I was the only one responsible for my own condition and that I had to do something about it. At that point, I started saying, well, what can I do, right, and what area do I need to get knowledge in? And I started to study about business, and I found out that there's actually not a lot of know-how um, in, in terms of, you know, actual information on how to run a business, there really isn't a lot of information on how to operate a business. So I, I said, okay, here's an area that um, I, I could get more expert in. So I went and searched around for information on how to actually operate a business, how to build up an organization. And I came across some very interesting tools that allowed me to do that. So I turned my life around, put it up to a whole new level, and then I decided, well, if I can do it, and I started building up my own business, I can, I can pass that on to other people. So I started doing that. Got it. And you said that at a certain point you felt like your life had crashed. What I heard you say was that you found, you know, how do I take responsibility for that? So in the moment, did you feel like there were other people you could have blamed? <laughs> yes, my ex-wife. No. <laughs> <laughs> we won't mention any names, but... Um, yeah, certainly. She, um, you know, 
there, I almost said it. You know, she basically, uh, at that point, we had, you know, gotten to a point where I was almost totally going to blame, you know, my ex-wife for everything. But when you really look at it, you have to, you know, you have to at some point face up to the fact that if you're living and you had a part in it and it's not going good, there, there you must have done something that was not cool, that was that was wrong. So I turned it around. I said, yeah, I got to take responsibility for this. I got to like make it better, you know, and I started to I guess at that point I was kind of blinded because I I did have other people who were more than happy to say, you know, it's the other person's fault. Mm-hmm. And it was very easy to go into that. But when I really confronted it and looked at it and I said, I allowed it to happen. And at that point I turned it around. Yeah. So that was the pivotal point when I said, you know, I'm the one that makes my life better. And that's about it. Mm-hmm. I want to jump right back to you. We just had Matthew Lindsay with Precision Home Group join us. Matt, how are you doing today? Pretty good, pretty good. We have our co-host on the show. So, Matt, we're talking with Charlie today about his business, Wealth Tech. Now, Charlie, you just said something very interesting, and I think it resounds, you know, definitely with me. But, you know, if I'm a listener, it probably resounds with me as well from that perspective. Uh, was, the, you know, talking about taking responsibility. You had people you could have blamed. What are some practical things you had to do to take the blinders off? And, and to go into that responsibility zone. Because I think a lot of times people have things happen to them, whether it's divorce, losing their job, you know, having their income drop, whatever that looks like. Um, and it, it takes some discipline to not go into victim mindset, right? So what are some things that you did that, you know, could be applicable to just anybody that's listening? Yeah. You know, what I, what I had to come to realize for myself was that I didn't know everything. <laughs> that was a what? hard hit. That was a hard hit. You know, I had taken you know, these advanced classes. I was going to university for accounting and, you know, I'd been doing a lot of reading and I, I pretty much said, you know, I'm a smart guy, right? But I really, the, the point where I really looked at it and said, I don't know what I'm doing and I, I need to learn more. That was the point that I then adjusted to looking at and saying, okay, who's, gonna, who's going to learn more? It's going to be me and I have to take responsibility for that. So I, I, I basically realized I don't know it all. And then after that, that opened the door for me to then start learning things. And then right in that area was business. So I, I realized I don't know everything about business. And then I pushed it to that point. Okay. And the business thing is interesting. So we've, we've talked with people before. Uh, most of our guests have been business owners. Um, it's, it's, when you're in it, it's very logical. You're like, man, I love business. But on the outside looking in, it looks like insanity. You know, you've got no benefits, you've got no base pay, no guarantees, all the risk. So talk to me about that. Why business? What made you, you know, want to take that seemingly crazy path? Well, you know, to be honest, I, I looked at it and I said, when my life had gone down to that point, I, I realized that one of the things I was really missing, to be blunt, was money. <laughs> I, I basically, at that point in my life, I was going to university and when things fell apart, I didn't have a lot of money. And, I, and then so I, my attention immediately went to business. And I said, you know, I need to either uh, work for somebody who's very prosperous. Or I need to create something for myself. And, you know, being um, the type of mindset that I have, which is like I like to be my own boss type of thing, I said, okay, I'm going to do it my way. And at that point, I started to go into learning all about how to do business. So, you know, for a guy that's out there listening, um, you, you really have to take a look at what's out there in terms of 
opinions versus facts because there are so many opinions out there that you could go on Facebook and you can just, you know, hundreds of them. You see them as you're scrolling down. But it's hard to discern which one's an opinion and which one's a fact, right? I mean, and, and in order to actually get a workable uh, business going, you have to operate in factual and truthful information. So that was probably my my contribution, you could say, towards other business owners is I'm I'm passing on information to them which has some sustainability in facts. So that's a very <laughs> big deal. So the the opinion versus fact thing. So I've I've heard a lot of people say that quote. You've probably heard um, you don't know what you don't know. Yes. Right? And what I heard with you, with your story is you did know what you don't know. So oftentimes people will go into the college space or the education space and they're quite frankly lost. They don't know what they're going to do. They don't know why they're there. And they're hoping to find that little piece, that little glimmer that gives them direction. And so the difference I'm hearing in your story is you knew it was business and you knew that you didn't know about business. You went there for a reason and you had an objective before you went. Now the fact and opinion thing. So that's very interesting. So what are some things that like, you know, that can be in business or just life. You got people that have opinions all the time. What are some things that, that help you decipher fact versus opinion? What was real and workable and what wasn't? That's, that's a good question. There's, you know, when you're, um, when you're doing business, you do get a lot of, when you, when you have employees and you have coworkers and you've got managers, you're going to get a constant tirade of opinions. You're going to get all the different people talking about different things and giving you their viewpoint on how a situation should be handled. But the truth is, is after, you know, doing a lot of research, what I found out was there are some really basic points that every business owner needs to get in. And what I found was probably the most basic thing that a business owner needs to get in his company is the area of ethics. Ethics today is probably misunderstood by a lot of people because they, they think of something, when they think of business ethics, they think of, you know, being a good boy or a good girl and doing your right thing. However, like not stealing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But um, there, there is a sequence that has to be in place. And the very first thing that a business owner has to look at is ethics. And ethics is basically just really looking at your life, looking at business and going – how, how can I survive longer? How can I do things? And the things that I'm doing, is it going to help me to survive more? Is it going to help, you know, my company go more? And that starts to expand with your employees. So not only you as a business owner, what you're doing, you have to look at, um, are your actions, you could say, going to help the company survive further, but also your employees. So that, you know, spreads onto them. But it's not only about being good or bad or whatnot, but it's also basic things such as uh, measuring your survival. So once you know you're going towards survival, you, you have to have a system in place on how you can measure that survival. And that comes into the area of statistics. You, you, have, to, you have to actually on a weekly basis, um, if you're running a business, look at um, you know, how one week did compared to the week earlier. What, was it better? Was it worse? And you have to be able to measure that. So that there comprises the area of ethics. And so what I did was I said, okay, this is a really important thing because in today's world, if you really look at it, there's so many unethical things happening, right? There's People aren't really 
business owners and people aren't really looking at how they can survive longer. They're doing what's, you know, gratifying for the moment and so forth, you know, and, and they're not really looking at the future repercussions and consequences. So you want to really um, do an area here, which, you know, when I talk about ethics, you want to do something that is going to make a difference. And, and one of those things happen to be like uh, statistical measurement. When you're actually measuring your stats, you're, you're starting to do something that's more ethical for your business. And, and that's going to be something that gives you clarity. So like you kind of said, knowing what's true and what's not true, if the stats went up, that's right. Apparently yeah. it was true. That's right. right? <laughs> that's right. Yeah. And, you know, um, obviously, you know, when you're listening to a lot of opinions out there, I mean, you could even, anybody out there listening could probably even say, well, shucks, what he's saying right there is probably his opinion, you know, and that's fine. When it really comes down to it, you could take anything that anybody says, but you have to test it out. You, you have to go apply it in the real world. And if it works, then it's probably closer to truth, right? It's probably closer to a fact as opposed to somebody's opinion. Unfortunately, there's just so many opinions out there, and the person that's given that opinion hasn't produced or has a production record which can really qualify that person enough to say, this is a factual way. Now, if a guy was a multimillionaire, you know, and he was uh, running several businesses and he was very prosperous, if he told me, do this, do this, do this, I'd probably look at him and say, yes, sir, right? I would probably listen to him in terms of taking that uh, communication as fact as opposed to opinion. It probably would come across as a fact, right? Because mm -hmm. he's, he's, he's successful, so he's obviously gotten the results. And to me, that's what comes out to truth. That's the guy who's gotten the results is the champion. He's like victorious. He's like won, won the battle, won the game at least you know, in the area of finance or business. Mm -hmm. And once I started uh, working with you, Charlie, also with Jerry here, you know, the stats has really been a big thing for, for myself and my business with Precision Home Group and the other ventures that we're starting. Um, and I just want one thing that I really want to point out is that, you know, in business, um, people think stats and they just think like direct numbers. Like, well, if it, the only thing I can keep a stat on is, is something I can put a number or a dollar sign to. But you can keep stats in all areas of your business for every single division and branch in that, right? Absolutely. Um, it's just you're basically um, measuring each area of your company. And, and when you really look at it, when a business is not doing well, the control has really gone out. The, the owner, the manager has allowed things to slip down and there's no control but if he gets a daily report or a weekly report on how each employee is doing it, and it's not just based on rumor, you know, who likes who and, you know, oh, Joe over there, or Mike's not doing this and so forth. When he can actually see a written report on statistics and says, well, yes, this, uh, this last week, oh, my gosh, it went up into an affluence and we've, we've just tripled more money. Our gross income is higher than it's ever been. And you look at who's responsible for that statistic, that person. And at that point, you want to commend them. You want, to, you want to give them some kind of reward. But reversely, if it goes the other way, then you also know who's responsible for it. So every employee, you, you definitely want to make sure that you are um, measuring their production, measuring their statistic. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so Charlie, um, I want to just go into the affluence thing because I, I, <laughs> I've learned from you that this is one that's extremely misread. People jack it up all the time. So... 
hypothetically, let's say my revenue hits affluence. So I get to go spend some money, right? <laughs> That's right. Well, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you just said that like straight across. And I was like, oh, yes, okay. Well, the intention was there. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's how I get my way. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, you know, in business owners, um, they, they call it feast or famine. A lot of times, you know, you, you just get this big chunk of money in, you get things go right for that week, and, you know, you get a big paycheck. And, you know the usual the usual thing is uh, the impulse is to want to spend it all. You know you you want to take your wife out to dinner. You want to give your employees bonuses and so forth. And you just want to you know you want to spend it. Um, but that's that's actually the very opposite thing of what you need to be doing. When you get a lot of money in, it's very very important as a very very first step to to. Well, don't tell anybody that you get the money in. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, don't don't spread it around. Hey, I just won the lottery, right? So, you you basically you you have to clamp it down. You have to not tell everybody that you got the money. The second thing is you you have to really look at where where can you cut back, where can you where can you save. So instead of going to the best restaurant, you know, you you want to maybe go to you know, some fast food place, you know, something that you're okay with. But that's the very first step. You want to you cut back, you want to economize, and that's normally the exact opposite, like I was saying, that every business owner does. They usually just go out there and they, they just spend wildly and they, they lose control of their money, and then they're broke very quickly. So that's a very important point. Otherwise, if you don't do that and you don't do a couple other steps right afterwards, you're going to find yourself in that famine point really quick again, right? You're going to yeah. be broke. It'll leave as soon as it came. That's right. Now, you said don't tell anybody. Now, don't tell anybody because money's bad and you shouldn't talk about it, or is there another reason? <laughs> well, I, I like to that's, – that's a good point. I like to equate it with like if you if, – if a guy won the lottery, he's going to have he's – he's going to have everybody that's going to want his money. He's going to have relatives. That he's uncle he never knew that's about. Right. <laughs> gonna in, that's right. Going to come in. That's right. Coming in and saying this and that, right? I, I've actually did a scenario before of going, what would ever happen if, if I had won the lottery? My first probably in terms of action would be is I would hire an accountant who could say no. Just say no way, right? And that's very true. So when you get money in – you have to really have good self-discipline and be able to say no. You have to be able to say no to people that will want that, you know. And if if you owe on debts or bills, okay, that's a little bit of a later step, and you're going to get people that will want that. However, the very first step is just, you know, clamping it down, not telling everybody. So that way, you know, it's most people are very caring. So when you when you have money – uh, you're probably going to be a caring guy, and somebody needs it. You you might be tempted to give it, so that's why you don't tell anybody. So that way, you're not tempted. So I want to actually jump into the topic of debt. So Matt and I like debt. Yep, we're very Good big debt. into real estate. But with debt, that's you know I work with people on finances, and a lot of times that's the that's the alarming topic in their world is I'm handling my debt. For our generation, it's student loans. Mm-hmm. You know, for mm-hmm. for the older generation, they don't really see it, but it's their mortgage. You know, they're they're hacking away at that that ball and chain for the next thirty years. So, 
when do you handle debt and how do you handle debt? Oh, that's a good question. You know, I personally, the way I look at it, and again, this is um, an opinion, and we were talking about opinions and facts. I look at debt as there's good debt and there's bad debt. Okay, that's what I uh, qualify it as. So good debt would be if you had to get a loan so you could go out and you were going to invest it in like buying a 20plex, you know, some real estate that then is going to create a cash flow back into your pocket, right? So if you need to do that. Now, bad debt obviously would be, you know, uh, you, you maxed out all your credit cards because you uh, bought your former boyfriend or girlfriend a bunch of new clothes and a whole new, whole new wardrobe, right? So how you handle it is when you're in an affluence, the very first thing you do is you economize. The second thing that you do is you do take a look at every single bill that you have. You want to you want to gather up every single bill that you have. Now, if, if you made $5,000 or $10,000 that week, let's say, you might not have enough to completely pay every bill off, but you want to try to pay off everything you possibly can mm-hmm. realistically, right? So that was that that basically would be the point where you start to handle your your bad debt would be probably that yeah, the second step right after the economize. And that's that's one of the things I, I I actually teach my clients now, you know, and I used to think of it differently, but we line it up, you know, smallest balance to largest balance and you pay the, you know, all the way down to zero on the first one, all the way down to zero until you just can't go anymore. So with with that being said, let's say someone does have a business, they're doing that step, they're paying the debt off, or even if it's just a personal household, you know, they got money that came in, let's say it's PFD season, right? They decided not to go to Disney World. They listened to Charlie. They economized and clamped it down. How much cash should they be saving aside and not putting at the debt so they still got reserves? Is there? Is oh, there... Abs- absolutely. That's a very that's a very good point there too. You you have to absolutely every time you get money in, you have to actually take a portion of it. Now I I say minimum of ten percent, at least ten percent of your gross income or your net income in that case up to even higher, 20, 30%, right? And you take it and you, when you, when you pay yourself that, I call it paying yourself, you are taking that money and you're putting it into some type of a reserve account that you're not going to touch, all right? When you do that, you have to treat that as, as a separate debt. You actually, that you have to kind of trick yourself because otherwise you will, you'll have a tendency to spend it, okay? So what you have to do is take that amount, 20%, let's say, put it aside, but treat it like it were another debt. You're just basically paying that off. And that means you are responsible for it. You are basically putting it there and you're not going to touch it. Mm-hmm. And you have to you have to put it out of reach sometimes. A lot of people, they they don't have the discipline. I, I would say most people easily. This might be a generality, but most people easily. I, I think you're pretty on track. <laughs> cannot, <Yeah. laughs> cannot control themselves, right? <laughs> or if... Or if uh, yeah, there again is when when you get that money and don't tell everybody because if they know you got a stash, they're going to want to come over and borrow it or hey, let's go do this. Let's Use go it take for that their stash. Yes, yeah, that's right. <laughs> they're going to try to sell you and take your money. <laughs> yep. So, okay, so basically, you know, when somebody's going through their business, they've got these different different statistics they're measuring. Uh, they start producing and like I said, it's not even just business like Matt talked about, it's everything. You know, everything yeah. could have a stat. Uh, how how do they start organizing this? Because I mean, if you've got, you know, maybe I have a stat for my revenue. I've got one for my profit. I've got one for sales. If it's life, maybe I've got a stat for how many days I worked out. 
if I'm doing all these things, like how do I prevent myself from, from getting, getting burnt out or overwhelmed? Or that's usually the first thing that comes to mind, right? Is you don't want to get burnt out. What do I do there? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, yeah, there are stats for everything and anything. In fact, this is how, um, how, how much I actually do in terms of statistics. I actually have a statistic for my relationship with my wife. And, and the statistic on that is number of pleasure moments we have together. Right? I'm going to have to start tracking that stat. <laughs> <laughs> so, but to answer your question, basically, you have to really make sure that you have a system that you're comfortable with. You have to have a model which you can easily go into uh, online. You know, it used to be back in the day, you used to have, you know, graphs up on the wall, that type of thing. And, you know, or this and that and but it gets very complicated if you do it that way. The easiest way is just to set up a system online, which I actually have and can show anybody how to do. And once you get into that system, you just make it a um, weekly thing where every week you have to put aside a little bit of time. You put in your statistics. Uh, there are systems out there that will do all of the populating, put it all in one place, get it all nice and organized, and so forth. So, But there has to be... Getting back to opinions and facts, there has to be a way of properly scaling these graphs that are online. There, there has to be a proper way. Now, when I use the word scaling, I don't mean to like expand and get bigger and bigger, but the other definition of basically uh, the way, you know, how you're measuring from one point to the next point, it, it has to be the right quantity. You can't, you know, if you're making, if you're making a thousand dollars a week, and then all of a sudden you made ten thousand dollars because of a bonus. If you don't properly scale that, it's not going to show that it was a huge spike. It could just, if you didn't have it properly scaled, you can actually go, oh, it looks like just a small little increase and you're not doing the right thing to handle that. Mm -hmm. So basically how big the mountain peaks and valleys look. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So Charlie, one of the other things that, that we've talked about, and, and we'll probably have to, to cut this in half when we come back in a few minutes, but I want to talk about people. Yeah. Um, cause you've taught both Matt and I some good things about people and, and, uh, you know, we've all had, you know, growing up the, we've known some people are good to be around and some people are bad influences to be around. So tell me a little bit about that. And this is business or life. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, this is going back to the area of ethics in a business. And one, one of the things when it comes to ethics is, uh, associations, you have to look at who you're associating with in your business. And of course, you know, we all, of course, say, well, I would like to hang around millionaires. I'd like, I'd like to be around successful people. However, there's other criteria that you can look at. And one of the things I found in all my studies and research is, is an area that has to do with different personality types. And one of the things that I found is out there in the world today, there are definitely people who have what, what I would say antisocial tendencies, antisocial personalities, right? Like introverts or? Uh, a bit different. Uh, not not necessarily that they don't like to go into, you know, like if there was a party, not necessarily that they would be the guy who would just be sitting down there sipping on his tea or his beer in the corner and not talking to anybody. I'm talking about somebody, there are people out there, there's actually a certain percentage of the population um, who don't want others to do better, you could say, right? And, and, and they affect other people and so forth. And then there's people out there who are, you know, not, not doing so good one minute and then they're doing good the next minute. And they're not doing so good in one minute and they're kind of on this emotional roller coaster, right? 
Now, as an employer, as a business owner, if you're if you're looking at taking on people, obviously it's hard to hire somebody and have them working for you if one minute they're performing great, next minute they're they're performing very poorly, next minute they're giving you a problem, and it's constantly this emotional roller coaster you could say of going up and down, back and forth. It, it creates a lot of stress for you as the employer, uh, for your fellow employees. Let's say if you were an an employee and you had somebody that was working with you like that. So what an employer has to really look for is this one area right here, and this is the area of ethics. He has to make sure that he's not onboarding people who have certain characteristics, right, who just uh, wherever they go, they seem to bring trouble, right? It's an old saying in business that, you know, 20% of the people cause 80% of the problem, right? And and it's true. So if you if you are a business owner and you're having to work with people and have employees who are on this emotional roller coaster, it's, it's just going to, it's going to spread. Um, I, I use it as a, um, you know, I, I have to use this term cancer. It's kind of cancerous. It spreads throughout the organization and, and it doesn't, uh, the organization doesn't suffer or excuse me, it suffers and it doesn't do too well, good or good afterwards. That's intense. Yeah. So how, how do you go about Charlie, you know, uh, Figuring out who those people are, identifying that, and is there a solution for that if you have that in your organization? Yeah. I mean, obviously, when you're talking with somebody, so the way you can spot them is, obviously, when you're talking with somebody and you're doing, like, an interview and you're hiring somebody, well, I guess probably one of the most uh, obvious questions I would ask is, you might not be able to ask this during the hiring process, but if you can just do an observation of it, is if that person is sick, you know, if that person is uh, that you're hiring, do they get sick often? Have they been in a lot of accidents? That that actually, believe it or not, is a red flag that pops up saying, you know, there's something going on with this person in their life, and they're probably on this little bit of this emotional roller coaster. So, it, to me, as an employer, it would pop up a red flag to say, let me let me uh, consider this because obviously, if you have an employee who you know, crashes their car one week, you know, can't come into work for two days and is sick the following three days, you know, I don't think any employer out there really would, you know, keep that employee too long. They, they would start to go, hmm, maybe I need to find somebody else, right? So these are just red flags that, that would immediately pop up at the beginning. Can I share, because we have a real story from just yesterday. That's right. So Charlie, Charlie consults me on my business. Okay. And he's not... Uh, he does he doesn't word it as poorly as I do, but we lopped someone's head off yesterday. Not Ooh. literally, we got rid of somebody, and it was because of this topic. And so you know, can you let me let me? Uh, was that a client? Is it an employee? Employee, and okay. we've done it with clients too. It, okay. you know, it goes both ways. So let's say like Matt's going into. Let's say you have a toxic person in your organization or in your life. Mm-hmm. We can all relate to that, right? What does somebody do? Mm. Yeah. So. When you have a toxic person that's working for you, you're going to have to, well, probably the hardest thing that most employers really, you know, face when they do have a toxic person is they're in a dilemma because, you know, that person could have been with them for a little while. Let's just say, use a scenario that the person's been there for a little while and they've built up a relationship and the employer has always known that this employee had something going on. They were, you know, toxic. They were you know, constantly um, calling in sick and, you know, this and that. And, but 
most employers are very understanding. And what they run into is this dilemma of actually what to do with that person. Now, the best thing to do with a person who's toxic is to try to try to assist them if you can, you know, try to help them out. You're not trying to uh, shunt them. You're basically saying, well, let's take a look at it. Let's see if there's anything that you can do to, you know, help them. So you're taking responsibility for them, you could say, in a way. Uh, and so there are certain steps that you would do, right? You would, you would basically, sometimes you'll find that, that that person who you could say is toxic is actually toxic because they're associating with somebody else who is really toxic, right? And so uh, sometimes they need, that employee needs to make changes in their life and find out who they're associating with. And sometimes they'll, they'll realize that. They'll say, oh, yeah, you know, I'm associating with this person over here who's bad for me. And when they realize that, they, they might change and they might do better and then it could affect them in, in you know, their job performance and they start to do better. However, it's not always the case that that happens. And so sometimes you've tried to help this employee. You've done different things to help them to be, you know, to uh, do better and performing at work and so forth. Well, if, if that doesn't work, then, of course, uh, some employers, they, they are faced with the situation of, okay, you know, I need to, uh, I need to let this employee go, right? Because... There's really at that point some you know sometimes you can do all you can to help that person, but sometimes it does come to the point where you know that relationship, that work relationship, needs to end, and you need to uh, basically end that off. Yeah. And and what I've learned from you is that it needs to happen fast when you make the decision because because a they probably already quit mentally months ago, right? If That's their right. performance goes down, they left you know probably two months before that happened. And, and B, you know, a lot of times if you let them know, hey, I'm, you know, the typical is I'm giving you a two weeks notice, uh, I would much rather give them a two week severance and let them go today and not have the energy there. That's right. Because if you continue to, you're talking about rewards and penalties, you've, you've kind of talked to me about, you know, if you continue to keep them there, that's almost rewarding the behavior. You can that's stay, right. I'm going to keep you here. So like, how, how does somebody go through that if they're, if they're like, all right, I do need to get this person out of my organization or out of my life. Obviously, you don't want to, like you said, shunt them or put them down or, or you know, break the relationship. But what's, what's like the right way to handle that situation? Well, you know, obviously, when you have, you know, uh, an employee, you, you go by the hiring laws of the state that you're in and so forth. But you, um, once you have got all those in place and the legality part is correct and so forth, what you basically have to do is uh, take responsibility for that person. If, if you've been... Uh, in a relationship, work relationship with that employee for a while, it's good to, um, I always believe in letting them go gently. You know, you're taking responsibility for them. It's not a, a cold, hard letter of, of termination where you just say, this is it, right? Um, they, they haven't, you know, uh, done anything that you could say would be criminal. They haven't, you know, possibly uh, stolen from your organization. And so in these cases that aren't in, uh, including any kind of criminality, then of course you're you're basically just severing the relationship, but you're but you're somewhat taking responsibility and saying, okay, this is it, and and giving them a, a warm letter of disconnection, you could say, right, and letting them go on their way, right. Uh, that's what I would do. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's good. So I kind of want to dive into um, I guess your vision and your purpose because you've you've done a ton for my business. I know you're doing a ton for Matt's business. Mm -hmm. What makes you go? What makes you continue to grow and build? And what is it that you want to accomplish? Mm. Well, you know, what I what I want to really accomplish is 
I, I think it's a universal uh, purpose that most people have, most business owners have, is they want to help. They, they want to help more people. And, you know, everybody has their own way of helping people. Um, but, you know, as a business owner, you can affect a lot of different people. And if, if I can help a business owner to uh, do better in life, you know, and, and for them to succeed and for them to become more prosperous in their business, you know, we, we do live in America, which is based on capitalism. And for me, the more businesses that are out there that are doing well, the mom and pops to, you know, all the way up to Google, anywhere in between, as more and more of these businesses are producing, it's going to be a cumulative effect across the country, right? So if I could do my little part in it and basically help as many as I can while I'm here on this earth, then I, I feel like I could put my head down you know, on the pillow at the end of the night and say, I did my part. Because the way I see it in this country, it, it, it tends to go towards non-production right now. People have this you know, entitlement viewpoint quite often. of, mm-hmm. And so if I can push it around and get in. Because the business owners out there, any, anybody that is an entrepreneur, it doesn't matter to me if they're successful or not, not successful as far as myself wanting to help them. Because um, I have to really say that anybody that is a business owner is very, you know, I admire them because they're, they're doing things that uh, they decided to go on their own. And that takes a lot of confront. It takes a lot of courage, you know. And, and, and you'll find what I have found is that the guys that are really successful, the most, the guys that are at the top of their game, uh, I've talked to a few of them. I've had the pleasure of talking to a few of them. They're probably the most kindest people that you've ever met. They're, you know, they're not... So some top CEO of a big company, they're not some mean, stern, you know, uh, ogre that's, you know, sitting there. They're, they're usually very much in communication with you and, and very fun to talk to. So, yeah, I admire the business person and, you know, try to, you know, make, make, uh, make, make, make America great again. I'm saying it, okay. It'll be huge. <laughs> It'll be huge. Huge. <laughs> That's right. So I, I, I want to just kind of agree with you. Uh, I've, I've not yet met somebody that's a top level business owner that that's an a hole. It just, you know, we, uh, we had, uh, we're on one of Matt's programs for Instagram marketing, and, and actually, kind of a funny story. Lexi had a message go out, <laughs> autoresponder, and it went out to one of my friends. His name is Matt Monero. He's giant business owner, hundred fifty million dollars a year. And it, it's a little bit of a spam message, you know, like it's, a little bit. hey, I've got this product. <laughs> I want to get your interest. And it just goes out to everybody, right? right? So it goes out to Matt. And, you know, you, you think about this guy runs $150 million a year business. He's either not going to answer or he's going to say something sarcastic or, you know, downward. And instead, he was very polite. Like, he's like, hey, Lexi, I totally appreciate it. I'm happy with where I'm at. I've got a good strategy in place. I'll reach out to you and Jerry if it's, if it's something I am interested in and you know, the, the guy didn't have to do that. He wow. could have, he could have just, you know, stomped down on it or ignored it. So I, I want to just ha- agree with you on that. Like business owners are generally out there to help. And Sorry. I mean, we were just down at the 10 X growth con, Jerry, and we were down there in Vegas, uh, for you, for those of you who don't know, uh, big business conference, a lot of entrepreneurs, and we had some big names there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you could just walk up, you could shake hands, you could say hi, you could have a conversation with, you know, people like Jerry's talking about, you know, who own a $150 million a year company. 
or bigger, you know? And so you could just walk up to these people, the accessibility, um, their willingness to help and their willingness um, and eagerness to see other people produce and produce at high levels. Yeah. So Charlie, I want to kind of hit like with, with your model, like you're, you're going really deep with organizations. When I do coaching with you, it's not, um, it's not the six week webinar. It's not the ebook. It's not that model. You're actually going in there, getting your hands dirty, putting your elbows in it. Why that model? When you could just be online selling that widget, pushing that thing out there and getting people signed up. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, I, I think, um, you know, from my experience in terms of uh, helping businesses, I get down to the nitty gritty and I try to basically find out what's happening with that business owner and what's happening with that company. And one other thing I wanted to mention upon was, um, you know, every business owner is trained or skilled in some area. Usually if you take a mechanic or if you take a dentist, they're skilled. However, uh, they don't, a lot of them don't continue their education. And what I mean by that is not just in their profession, but just training in business in general, right? Even if the guy has a business degree, quite often that's it. They get their, their bachelor degree or their master's in business and that's it. But it's very important to continue learning in business. Now, uh, one of the things that I teach uh, to really, you know, that I really try to go into uh, with business owners is the area of uh, studying, of training. And what I have uh, given a lot of business owners is a tool which comes down to the importance of, of training and studying. And there's actually quite a bit of information just in the area of learning. So a lot of business owners out there, they get their degree and sometimes they never want to study anymore because they've gotten their degree, right? But there, there is a whole area that has to do with study. And anytime, and this has to do with also, we were talking about employees, uh, anytime a business uh, is really doing well, you'll find that all the employees have continued their training uh, about you know the company and so forth and what's happening. But also on top of that, uh, the company has probably set up some type of a training program. And part of that training program, um, I found the most successful ones have a, a really big stress on the area of uh, words, the area of different concepts that are used in that profession. Now, a dentist may have his own terminology, his own nomenclature for what he's learned in school, but an office manager, a new office manager coming in to that setting may not completely be familiar with all the terminology and dentistry. So, so it's a really good idea to um, basically, ha as a business owner, make up what I call a keyword list. It's basically a list, you know, you can set it up alphabetically. It's basically a list of all the main words that an employee is going to be um, listening to or hearing every day. And you put that into the training manual, whatever training you might have. It's such an instrumental point because... I've actually found that when an employee has that, they learn really fast. They get this keyword list, and they, and they just start to they want to learn more about the business, and then it starts to grow it. So, yeah, I do go into a lot of different things pretty, pretty much in depth, yeah. That's very interesting. And a lot of the stuff you're saying, it's ironic because it's coming from a business owner, but it sounds like work. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, a business a business owner typically doesn't want to hear, like, what I've got to do a, a, basically a dictionary of all the things that we talk about here and define them so that my new person can fully understand it. That's very tedious. So 
when you see like, you know, companies that are doing that versus companies that are shoving it off and saying, no, thanks. Like you don't have to give us specifics. What kind of results, like what's the difference between somebody that's using the things you're talking about versus somebody that's not. That's, that's a good point. Well, you know, you, you have to, um, again, just on the area of working with people, um, it's very important to know that there's, when a person, oh, this is just a little bit more in-depth in the area of study, but let's say when a person is um, studying something, what, what I have found and what I've ran across in my studies is that when somebody reads something or hears a word that they don't quite get the meaning or definition of, they, they don't remember anything afterwards that they're studying. It, it just kind of, it's not there, right? Non-religious, <laughs> but this happened all the time when I was a kid reading my Bible. Oh. I would start at the top <laughs> of the page and get to the bottom and be like, what did I read? What did I just read? <laughs> That's right. So, so you know, when you, when you think about it, um, here's the thing that happens, right? Is you get, you get a person who comes into a job, very excited, uh, an employee, he's hired on, and then he's hit with all these different uh, phrases and, and concepts and words. You know, even if that person, let's say, was a manager in some other uh, job, now he's working for you or, you know, you have probably a whole new set of words. And he's, and he's faced with all these words. And when you know that what happens when a person does try to study, if they don't understand the words, they can't sing the tune. They can't, they can't right? So they, they don't want to study it anymore because they feel like it's not comprehensible. After they start to not comprehend something, uh, this, it's, it's really an interesting phenomenon that occurs, which is they, they start to shy away from that area they, they, because they can't understand it. They, and they might not even notice it, but they start to pull away from that area. And they might start to make little mistakes on the job. You see, they might start to uh, make errors, and they, they might even do bigger things later, you know, start to do things which would definitely be unethical towards the employer. And what I have found is that it actually stems from their inability to to learn about that job. So it is very important. It is time that you do have to devote and you put in there, but the success rate is very high in terms of if you really do show your employees that you care and you have a good set of terms. It doesn't have to be super long. It doesn't have to be like the Webster's Dictionary. Um, but you just get a nice little keyword list made up and you present it to your employees Put it as tra- part of the training package, and then you make it fun to, you know, you, you tell them, you know, make sure that you don't tell them that this is high school again or anything. <laughs> right. Jerry mentioned it before, talking about kind of like life and business, um, you know, being the same thing, being being one life, and it's not just separate. And I want to bring that back to what Charlie you're talking about with with going into the businesses. I mean, you're going in depth, getting nitty gritty, getting into the getting into the trenches, like figuring out everything. And a lot of times people's lives are better because of that, even though you're in there to help the business. Like people's whole lives are transformed and there's there's lots of things that happens for the better. And it's just, I, so I just wanted to, you know, touch on that real quick. So real quick, we want to get back into Operation Reborn. What is it? What, it, what does it mean? We had our last event, our second event this last mm-hmm. Sunday here in Anchorage, corner 15th and C Street at Hair Science Barber shop where you get the best haircuts ever. The best. And it's a huge success. What we're doing with that event is we are feeding, we are grooming, we're we're empowering, we're educating and getting at-risk youth 
um, the homeless community back into the workforce, getting them back into lifestyles of productivity. And Charlie, you—it's just ironic. Almost everyone we talked to has had some kind of a homeless stint or a rough, rough upbringing. You said you kind of had that past a little bit, right? Yeah, there there was definitely a period in my life where uh, things turned upside down. As I mentioned right at the beginning, where you know something totally unexpected and everything crashed, and I was in a dangerous situation where. Um, I had to make a choice, but during a short period of time, just a few days there, um, I actually found myself homeless, and that probably was a key turning point in me uh, doing what I'm doing now and, and uh, prospering and so forth. But you know, at that time, tell you the truth, if there were if there was something like Operation Reborn available, and you know something like that would have you know would have helped me, it would have made a huge difference. So what you guys are doing is. It's fantastic. It's it's making a huge impact. We appreciate that. Definitely. So I want to really hit, because Matt and I have this passion on like the helping thing. We see a lot of times where the intention to help is there, but the result, like you talked about, like whether something works or doesn't work, a lot of times when we offer help to people, it can actually enable them and keep them where they're at. So like in your opinion, like what is that innate desire to help? Because I think we all have it. And then how do you harness that and actually do it in a way that creates a positive effect for somebody? That, that's a good question. You, you have to really, um, when you're wanting to help somebody, of course, you have, to, you have to take into account what tools do you have that you can use to help them. Now, like with Operation Reborn, you have some fantastic tools. You're doing, you know, you're educating, you're helping uh, them to learn about uh, how to apply, apply for a job and so forth. So when you're, when you're deciding to help somebody, uh, the way I look at it personally is you have to you really have to have a goal in mind. You have to say, this is what, you know, I'm going for with this, you know, particular person that I'm helping. And on top of that, um, you also have to take into account, uh, truth be told, that there are, there are some people that you can offer help to, but they might not take it. Mm-hmm. That's, that's another point, you know. Unfortunately, um, help is something that um, quite often people have been betrayed on. You know, they you know, let's say uh, somebody says, well, I'll help you, but their intentions were not true. And then you were betrayed. You, you know, you, you signed up for this or you paid for this service or you did that and, and you trusted a person and then you found out that it really wasn't what it is. And you, and then at that point you feel a little bit betrayed. So in some people's minds, unfortunately, they, they feel that help does equal betrayal. But in most people, uh, when you give help, it's, it's really sincere and it's very true. So yeah, I think you just, as long as your intention is there to help and be sincere, then you're going to accomplish a lot. Sounds great. So I just wanted to retouch uh, Operation Reborn, what it is. You know, we've been a couple of weeks, we talked about it, but uh, don't think we got a real good definition of it and everything that's going on. So just to recap what it is, Operation Reborn, guys, is it's a threefold event. Like we said, it was this last Sunday at Hair Science Barbershop, focusing on three things. Focusing on one, we're bringing in the at-risk community. We're going to feed them. So we got AJ's barbecues there last weekend. Sick barbecue. Oh, man, so good. <laughs> so we're getting some free food out there um, to these people. And, uh, you know, the second thing is this barbershops. We're going to clean them up. We're going to groom them up. We're going to get them nice haircuts, good fade. You know, we had somebody asking about flat tops the other day when we were at Beans Cafe. Um, we could do those too, you know. So just clean them up real good. And Jerry, what does that do to, like, see someone when they got full stomach and, and they're looking good? 
they're handled. You yeah. know, they're worried about survival. So you feed them, they're taken care of. You change their physical appearance. That's huge. Yeah. I think we downplayed that. That's huge. Like, remember Sam? Oh, yeah. Sam came to the event. He had his haircut. I got a selfie with Sam, and Sam was like, just just cheering up man he was so smiley he was he's cheesy he's like i've never seen myself look this good yeah i mean so you got someone who walks in and just kind of on the outskirts of the event kind of you know doesn't want to shake hands or talk to anybody look them in the eye and you get them food you get them warmed up you get them haircuts you know in that environment before you know it they're taking pictures for the first time in in a long time and uh you know which leads into our last uh objective there and that's the in, in empowerment right and uh, education and you you had a big role in that jerry so i just wanted to touch on that can you touch on that real quick yeah so like charlie talked about today the the knowledge base is really what's missing when somebody is not living the way they know they could be and should be it's because there's something they don't know there's something mm-hmm. they don't understand so we're getting everyone you know taken care of and then we're educating them. We're using Wealth Dynamics University. Uh, that's a program that I actually train uh, very high-level clients on. And it's about sales. It's about business. It's about finance. We've partnered with Grant Cardone on this. And so essentially, we're teaching these people how do you sell? How do you market yourself? How do you get a job? How do you become employable? How do you have the right attitude? And and it's a boot camp. I yeah. mean, we're going through all the curriculum, and, and people are getting it. You know, we had we had results the very first weekend that weekend, we had one guy come in off the street and get hired that day. Yeah. And we had a special guest as well. So we'll have a special guest there every week, uh, every month. And so this last Sunday, we had uh, Cassandra Taggart from Real Property Management, Landlord's Almanac here in Anchorage, who herself handled ha- homelessness a, a bit when she was uh, growing up, right? Yeah. And so she talked to us about that. Um and how she's gone from that to, you know, own several successful businesses here in town. And now she's training other people to do the same thing. So make sure you check it out again, Operation Reborn. It's the second Sunday of every single month. That's right. I said every month, 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. at Hair Science Barbershop on the corner of 15th and C Street. Corner of 15th and C. Corner of 15th and C. 